You're listening to season two, episode two of the Beam Life podcast. I am incredibly grateful for our guest, Kendall Rosenberg, who is so gracious enough to take her time and share the story with all of us. It's an inspiring journey through recovery and poor body image and trying to find footing in this crazy world that we live in. And of course, celebrating uh, Pride Month and what that looks like this year. And I'm just so grateful. And I know you guys are going to find so much, um, you know, of yourselves within her story. And as always, make sure you drop a little comment, say hi to Kendall and let her know what your, her story meant to you. You can check us out at the beam life or find her at the Kendall Rosenberg on Instagram. All right, guys, let's get this party started. Welcome to the Beam Life Podcast, a rad and soulful show designed to set your heart on fire. As a hive, we will chat all things lifestyle, dig deep on how to achieve your wildest dreams, discover your confidence, and live the most fierce version of you. Yes, Beam Babe! You can be everything and more. Here's your host, the Beam Boss herself, Caitlin. to be back season two of the Beam Life podcast. Um, Today, we have a very special guest, Kendall Rosenberg, who I actually met at Arc Fitness, um, which is the gym where I coach and she attends as a member. Um, After meeting Kendall just a few months ago, actually right before this pandemic, I was super impressed by her strength, her friendliness, and overall confidence. And that's what we're all about here at The Beam Life and definitely um, are attracted to a strong and confident woman. So after getting to know Kendall and having several conversations with her in and outside of the gym um, and also watching her own social media and how vulnerable um, and how much she was willing to share, I was really blown away by everything that she has overcome in her life to be where she is now. Um, Kendall is in recovery and will be six years sober this month. Congratulations. Such a huge accomplishment and definitely something that should be celebrated. Um, since a very young age, Kendall has battled, um, the feelings of, you know, not enough or feeling too much for people. And in addition, she grew up in a Hollywood lifestyle, which further fueled that poor body image. Um, At the age of 16, um, Kendall felt super lost and in a dark place and turned to drugs to numb the pain. And somehow she managed with all of that on her at that young age to finish high school and get to college where she started her journey to sobriety. So I know this journey hasn't been easy, but I believe all the best stories have a rocky beginning. And today, Kendall's going to share with us her path to self-discovery and self-love, how she broke all the boxes that she was put in and some she put on herself and some that others put her in and how she reinvented herself to be the strong and friendly and confident woman that I just met a few months ago. So Kendall, I'm so excited that you're here with us. How are you doing, girl? Hi, I'm nervous. Thank you for that intro. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just super honored and excited that you are willing to come on here and be so vulnerable and share your story. How have you been holding up with everything that's been going on? Oh man, I've just been trying to like stay healthy and like figure out my mental health and figure out where I belong. Like I've I've been seeing all those posts about like, what is your lane? 
in this Mm -hmm. whole thing that's going on and I've been trying to figure out my lane and how I can best show up for my community and yeah yeah I mean it's a big time for all of us um globally but also you know along with which we'll talk about at the end along with um Black Lives Matter that are going on right now of course June is Pride Month so there's a lot of um like you say, lanes to kind of go down and explore and how we can support and be there for each other as a community and as people. And um, yeah, it's, it's definitely hard because we're also confined to being in our houses. So it's like, how yeah. can we, how can we be active, but yet inside? Um, so yeah, but I'm glad to hear that you're taking care of yourself. You look great. And I am so happy that you're here. So um, yeah, let's just get this party started and start sharing your story. And I'm really, really um, grateful. So thank you again for taking this time to be here at The Beam Life with us. Um, So yeah, so tell me a little bit about how this all started for you and how old you were when you started to have these kind of negative thoughts about yourself and how um, did that develop in your youth? Okay, so... When I was six years old, and I don't blame my parents, okay, I was a rowdy kid, and I needed some help, and so I was put on um, ADD medication for my ADD, and um, it was from the age of six that I deeply understood that I was not enough, or I was too much without drugs in my system without something to make me better that was outside of myself. And around that age, when I started taking those medications, it really made my weight fluctuate. And so my parents would like try and help me by putting me on a diet or I would get too skinny and they would start feeding me like literal fat cakes. And so (laughs) it was always just like, too much, not enough. The body was also too much and not enough. And my, my brain and my behavior was too much and not enough. So that's kind of how that all started. And I also grew up like close to Hollywood and the red carpet and around some famous people. And I just recognized how I didn't look like them and how I was different and how I just, you know, a little girl just wants to like fit in and be a princess, like all the other princesses in Hollywood, you know? Totally. And it's, you know, even then we didn't have such a strong social media presence, but you were living in it. And it's even like, you're kind of getting the taste of what it was like on the outside. And, and like you said, it's, it's like a fantasy, right? You know, every young girl wants to be a princess. I mean, my four-year-old daughter dresses up like a princess every day. Um, and that's what they fantasize about is Disney movies. And they're looking at Disney princesses, you know? Um, but here we are also at this young age, looking at these women as, you know, that is what our role model is and what it's to look like. And it can be really confusing, especially if we already have in our dialogue that, um, you know, we're not super confident in where we're at. Like we either feel like you said, either we're not enough. So we're looking for what it looks like, or we're too much. And it's like, how do we back down from that? So now you're in your teens and you are exposed to this Hollywood lifestyle. So what kind of happened um, at this age of 16 that made you transition from like prescribed medication, obviously, to non-prescribed medication or drugs, you know, at this time in your life? 
So I had a very overprotective childhood. My parents loved me very, very much. And I went from like not really having playdates or sleepovers or anything to um, my parents splitting up and like all of a sudden I had a car and a credit card and no one was watching what I was doing or where I was going. And I just fell into this victim mode um, and I jumped off the deep end and I went from like, I was, if you've seen Glee, I was literally like Leah Michelle <laughs> in high school, um, like her character, Rachel Berry. And I was so disappointed in my friends for like drinking and smoking and whatever. I was just a goody good. I was focused on my schoolwork and all of a sudden something just cracked open and I took a turn for the worst and I did things that I thought I'd never do and um I also I hated myself I hated um my body and I hated who I was I didn't feel like there was much to me um and I felt um muted by my meds that I had been on my whole life it kind of like zombified me and I remember like some days I'd forget to take my meds and all of a sudden like all of me would come out and it would be way too much because I'd be making up for like lost time totally and so this was like the ultimate like <laughs> you know those coming of age movies where they go to the high school party <laughs> for the first time after totally yes. yeah but it was for like two years <laughs> Somehow I totally I, get that. Somehow I graduated high school and I still went to college uh, in Seattle and made it through that time. <laughs> totally. I, um, I, I can completely sympathize with that. I definitely had a lot of fun back in my high school days and <laughs> did things that I'm not proud of and, and, even, and even college days. Um, it never led to any, like anything long-term or addiction or anything like that. And I think there's all that experimental phase, but when that's layered with, which is such a problem right now, I think in our youth, but when exposure to drugs and alcohol is layered with like a lack or non-understanding of self-love or confidence, um, it's like mm -hmm. a double whammy, right? Cause it's like, not only are we trying something that is messing with our equilibrium for the first time, but we also are super influenced because we don't have the voice within ourselves yet. So what do you think you are trying to escape when you started using? I know you mentioned it a, like a little bit, but, um, yeah, I just wanted to be loved the way that I couldn't love myself the way that I felt that I wasn't loved. I wanted, um, I felt that other people had the answers and could like save me. I felt that other people could make me enough and make me feel enough. And if I could somehow be enough for them, then maybe I could recognize my own enoughness. Mm. Um, but I had also um, experienced, and, and this is like hard for me to say, publicly because I feel like as soon as a woman says this they get a bad reputation but <clears throat> I experienced rape in my childhood and it really like influenced my self-esteem and even my body image and the ways that I um, sought out validation in others. 
Sure. And, and I so appreciate you sharing that. And I know that it takes beyond courage to even say that. And unfortunately, like you said, within our society, and it is getting better with the Me Too movement and all that. Mm-hmm. But once we say that, it's almost, we feel like we're like scorned. And um, when it. really, <laughs> I know, I love it because it's liberating, right? When we mm-hmm. let it out. And it also, you talk about how you can show up for your community and this is how is by sharing your story and letting other people know that they're not alone. And this is the first, in my belief, a big way of showing up for community because there are many, 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 many women, um, in all communities across the world that have been experienced, um, you know, are rape victims. And, um, it is unfortunate how much the, it's just rampant in our society and how it can impact somebody's body image and life for the rest of their life if they're not getting the right help. And so, um, I, I totally am appreciative of you sharing that. And I can totally understand at that age, wanting to escape just that feeling. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's like within that scenario of feeling like, is this love and feeling confused, you know, is that what it's supposed to be like, or am I supposed to love myself enough to never want to be with people? And it's like, you get that total confusion. So, um, yeah, I, I can completely understand why at 16, which is, you know, we're still forming as humans. We don't know much Mm -hmm. about life. Um, having all of that on your plate. So, you know, you've talked about using and kind of what you were escaping and you graduated high school and you're going into college. Um, yeah, right. (laughs) Moving away from California, away from your family to Seattle, which I know is probably a big move. Um, but what led you to get sober? Okay. Listen, (laughs) I just wanted to be loved more than I wanted to get high. At this point in my life, I substituted one drug for another, love Mm. for drugs. And um, I got into a relationship. Uh, I'm gay. I got into a relationship (laughs) um, with a woman um, and it was horrible and manipulative, but I didn't know how like much I was being gaslit. I didn't know how horrible it was because I hated myself. So I get into recovery. I stop doing drugs. I stop drinking. I stop everything because this woman has promised to love me the way I've always wanted to be loved. And that's like, okay. Yeah. You're (laughs) like, that's all all I want. want. Give it to me. That's the answer. That's going to save me. That's going to make everything else go away. And it didn't, it didn't do any of those things. And, um, so meanwhile, I made friends with, uh, this woman in recovery and she became my best friend and her name was Hannah. And um, she overdosed and died when I had about six mm. months clean. And um, that just kind of like, it opened something up in me and I realized how much I still hated myself. And it made me see my relationship for what it was. So um, I just, I got out of that relationship and I just kind of woke up and I started like, working steps and I got a sponsor and I just started doing things just a little bit for myself. I I still had issues that I hadn't figured out yet, but it was just a little bit more for myself for the first time. 
Yeah. I mean, and I think it's really interesting how you compare love as a different drug too, because I don't think, yeah, I mean, it is love is addicting. Love is Mm -hmm. totally addicting and the wrong love can be totally addicting. And I know that I, I can, I'm there. I totally understood from past relationships and just being there for many different people in my life that have been looking for one thing and thought it was this, like, this is the answer for me. Um, and yeah, when we still don't know how to like love ourselves and then somebody else for the first time, you feel like, Oh, they're showing up for me. And this is what love feels like. And Mm -hmm. I'm just going to run with this. Um, yeah, yeah, it's confusing. Yeah. It's totally confusing because you feel like this is all you've been waiting for and here it is. Um, but then all of a sudden it's like, wait a second, I'm still empty. What's going on? Yeah. You know, and, and why, exactly. why is this? So yeah. what was your first year kind of in recovery? Like I know you said you started, you know, working the steps and, yeah. um, you got a sponsor. And so what was that like? Cause I know that being in recovery, first of all, making that decision is hard in yeah. itself. And the first year, correct me if I'm wrong, is probably the hardest. I don't know if it's the hardest <laughs> because, you know, it's like, it's the surface stuff that you figure mm. out in recovery and it's still deep and it still cuts like a knife, you know, but like, here I am like six years later and I, they, they talk about peeling the layers of the onion, right? And I'm mm. just so many more layers deep that it's like, ouch, but it's so good. And I'm so grateful to like do this deep work. But um, the first year was good. You know, I made a lot of friends in the program, which is like so important. I got rid of my, like my old lifestyle, but the hardest part for me was that I was um, still in college and not able to party. And so (laughs) I just felt like I was missing out on something big, but there are consequences for my actions. And I did my living it up. And so, yeah, but I was still like really, really struggling with um, just hating my body in the way that I looked. Like, it sounds so vain, but that has been the through line of my whole life, you know? Sure. And um, yeah, I just remember like doing all this really deep, work in the step work and right around my first year something else cracked open because something's always cracking open and I'd been practicing affirmations for about six months and I had them written all over my mirror I went a couple months without looking in the mirror and just looking (laughs) at the affirmation totally and I some for some reason I would wake up every morning crying about how horrible I was on the inside and the outside And by the night, by the time I was going to bed, I would be okay enough to go to sleep without crying. And one morning around my one year, I think I was on a fourth step, which if you're in the program, you know that that's like the resentment step. That's the hard one. Not the hard one, but (laughs) we all know it is the hard one. Yeah. And um, I went to the mirror and I decided not to do my affirmations. I decided, screw this, I'm gonna um, say everything that I'm thinking. And I stood in the mirror for half hour, maybe longer, and said all of the horrible things 
that anybody could ever possibly imagine. Mm. Uh, that I hated myself, that I was disgusting, that I didn't deserve love. And um, what had happened was that I fell to the floor crying and I found myself holding myself and crying and wiping my tears. And now I had done this before, I'd been crying and wiping my tears. But in this moment, I realized that the part of myself that was crying and that was hurting and that was holding me and loving me was the part of me that loved me. And that there was a part of me that loved me and wanted something good for me all along. And it kind of just like changed everything. And I was able to move forward from that point in like the belief that there is hope for recovery in every area of my life and that I can and I do love myself, but it's kind of deep in there and I have to dig for it and find dig it. it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I think even now going through an experience like that is life changing because like now you've, you've realized that you're in charge, you know, and that you truly have that power and you've had it this entire time. Like you don't need exactly. to go to drugs. We don't need to go to other people. Mm-hmm. It comes from here. And by starting yeah. here, that's how we can love there. Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from that deep, down, broken, broken, broken place came beauty and came strength. And it's probably why I know this strong, confident version of you now was from that moment of brokenness. And, um, it translates in my opinion to everything that's going on, even on a global scale right now is how we do feel really broken. And, Mm -hmm. um, there is so much tension and, you know, what is truth and what is not. And, you know, two parties and this conflict, and that's often what's happening inside of us personally. And it's such a transition is to see it mirrored with people, you know? Um, but I always believe that from those places and I've experienced myself and you just shared that you've experienced this, but from those deep, dark places, is where the growth comes and where the beauty mm-hmm. comes. And we kind of have to go through those really ugly cries <laughs> to um, get places. You know, mm-hmm. we have to experience that because that's the shift. So now that you've had this shift and you've realized um, you've had this power all along, how did you foster that power? How did you grow in that power? And what did you do with it? Cause that just must feel like kick ass. You're like, yes, I have this now it's mine, but I have to learn where to find it. You know, it's yes. not just like next day you woke up and you're like, I love myself. It's yes. you gotta go for it. So how did you kind of start peeling away to find that little seed? I, I don't know why I'm getting emotional, but I did this really <laughs> scary thing. <laughs> Emotions are good. I know. I know. Feel it all. Um, Feel it all. (laughs) I'm so proud of myself. I look back and I'm like, I'm a little embarrassed about it, but I'm like really proud of myself. I did this really scary thing and I signed up for a freaking burlesque class. um, Love it. At Cornish at my college. And I went full blast. And okay. I was, I was the person who was like, shaking when we were doing like our taking off our little glove exercises I couldn't even get that down but 
I went from probably the worst to most improved, okay? But, like, here's the thing. I I did burlesque. I created a persona that um, brought not only my addiction to light, but also, like, body image stuff. Because mm. I had been celebrating my addiction for a year, almost two years at this point. Um, and I wanted to celebrate my body. I needed to figure that out. And this seemed like a really good way to just kick the the door down, you know? Totally. And so I named my burlesque persona Rebel Rehab, and she was an alcoholic pop star, and it was always her last performance <laughs> before being carted off to rehab in sunny, sunny Malibu, California. And she was always tied up to something and had to get undressed to find the key <laughs> and drink the drink and sing the song. And it was so empowering because it was like hey, audience, here is my leg. And if you don't clap for my leg, I'm going to take it back and put it away. So totally. you better clap for it. And it was like the craziest power trip. And it was so beautiful to just like put my body out there in a way that I never felt my body deserved to be put out there. And like going onto that stage, I still wasn't there yet. Like I still didn't feel like my body deserved to be out there but as soon as like the audience was clapping and I was out there and I was singing which is like what I do best I had this moment where I just felt like I deserved it and that was so profound totally. and I went on to I went on to host and um produce a couple more burlesque shows outside of my college after I graduated and it was just the craziest experience ever I always look back at experiences like that where it sounds a little crazy, but it was one of those like defining moments, you know, where it's like, this is, yeah, because you needed sort of that character um, at the time to build the confidence because in who we are here, you know, it's like, oh, I don't really have the strength, but it's almost like a superhero. It's like you put on that cape and it's like, oh, yeah, now I can totally do this. I'm in uniform. Yeah. I can handle it. Um, Got my glitter skin on. <laughs> totally, totally. And you learn the skills, but then it starts to translate off the stage. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, I think that, I mean, you know, if I could have ever um, learned a skill, it would definitely, I've always wanted to do like be a professional hip hop dancer. So I totally yes. get it. But it's like, so to me, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm too old to be joining the hip hop class and like no. get all crazy. But <laughs> I, um, I love that. And I think that that's so empowering that you created literally a character to help you sort of get through some of these things. And while in turn, the audience was clapping for you, I'm sure internally you were kind of like, yes, leg, let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's Definitely. amazing. So, um, so I know after graduating with your undergrad in acting, um, and then you decided to move to Philadelphia to further pursue your master's in musical theater. Um, what was that like? Okay. I missed my Seattle community so much um and I had this new like focus on self-love and I had this confidence and so I I just focused on my studies and fitness um and I miss Seattle so much that like I was so focused on these things that I graduated first in my class and 
I didn't even walk at graduation because I needed to get back to Seattle. <laughs> but, but it was my like my link into fitness. It was where I first kind of like found moving my body. And you know, I started as like a little cardio bunny, and all I knew was run three miles and do some sit-ups and good job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how we're gonna get six pack, right? Right. <laughs> it was just a way. It was just a way in. It was a way into um, moving my body and showing my body some much needed self-care because, you know, I, I found like a little bit of self-love with burlesque, but I wasn't taking care of my body the way it needed to be taken sure. care of. And I recognized that. Yeah. And I think that um, obviously fitness can have its unhealthy things as well, but in general with body image, if we learn how to use fitness appropriately and, you know, become part of a community, which I know eventually, obviously that's how I met you. That's how it transitioned. Um, it can be a really empowering thing. So I know you really missed your Seattle community and I cannot believe when you told me you did not even walk the stage after graduating first in your class. It's so crazy, but that does say like how badly you wanted to get back. Um, so you get back to Seattle um, but obviously I met you here in LA. So how, yeah. what is the connection to coming back home and what happened through all of that? I would like to say, and we'll just say this, I felt the calling to go back to Seattle and a few months after getting there, I met my now wife and that was Who's just awesome. We love Nana. <laughs> <laughs> She's the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, a year after we met, we got married, and then I had a job and insurance, and I just wasn't living my life to the fullest, right. and I felt like that little muted feeling that I felt in my childhood again, and my dad called me up and said, hey, come home and work for me. What do you think about that? And I was like, interesting new chapter in my life, so... Hannah and I decided to take that opportunity and we moved back to California. Awesome. Yeah. I, um, I'm glad you made your way back here because otherwise <laughs> we might never have met and yeah. um, sharing the story has been super awesome. So how did you, I know you started a little bit with your fitness and you've obviously um, become a huge fitness inspiration to a lot of people. So mm -hmm and become super, super fit. So what was kind of that turning point for you and how did you become, you know, into Spartan and where you are now and loving your body? Because that was one yeah. of the things I was most impressed by when I met you is that, um, you know, for me, I've always, I always think it's very interesting because when you look at somebody's Instagram profile, right? It's how, well, how we're feeling about ourselves is how we feel when we look at somebody else. And, um, it's really powerful for me because I understand, but a lot of people would see it as like, Oh, they just want to show their body. But for me personally, it was super powerful looking at your Instagram, um, and seeing how confident you were and sharing yourself and your body and your strength and the sweat and the intensity, because it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy. And I know sometimes people take that for granted, but it takes a lot of courage to show up that way. And, um, I know now, especially talking to you, how you haven't always loved 
you're showing up in your body. Um, so how'd you get there? Um, okay. So I kept up fitness a little bit in Seattle. wasn't getting the results, moved back here. Just, it it was kind of like, it was getting stale. Anyway, I moved back here and a couple of months later I went to CrossFit and okay. I am not, I, I would tell you at that point, I'm not an athlete. I've never even touched a barbell before. And I walk in and they want me to like lift it up, clean it and put it over my head. And I have no idea what this is. I'm terrified. My wrists are going to snap. I have told myself that I'm brittle and fragile and that I can't do it. And um, so I left CrossFit. I did it for a month because that was what the group on was. (laughs) I left and I needed, I needed something else to like jumpstart me. And like today I feel like if you've never lift lifted a barbell before like CrossFit's gonna be scary yeah it's gonna be terrifying (laughs) yeah so I found boot camp like a couple weeks after and it was it was fit body at the time now it's arc fitness and um something just clicked and I just like I started to love lifting weights and I'd never I'd never even done that before I don't even think I'd touch the dumbbell okay (laughs) I really don't think I had um, no, you were into that treadmill and sit-ups, you know? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I saw some girls like holding a weight at their side going like this. And I was like, okay, I can try that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was like the most I had done. But so I joined in September and in December, I believe we had a Spartan race with the whole boot camp, And I decided I wanted to do it competitively. Um, it was an open, so it wasn't a competitive race, but I wanted to be competitive and not like hang back with my friends. And so I raced and I came fifth in my age group, I think. And I wasn't like, I didn't try that hard. And I was like, whoa, I'm athletic. I could, I could do this. Yeah, I could do this. I'm athletic. And it was like that same feeling I got when I was like doing some curls in boot camp. I, I'm athletic. I like lifting weights. And so I signed up for another Spartan race and I competed in age group uh, competitively and I came fourth in my age group. It's amazing. And all of a sudden I'm getting an email from Spartan saying, you're qualified to be a Spartan elite athlete. And um, everything kind of got shut down um, because of the pandemic. But like the most amazing part was like, I didn't know I was an athlete. I didn't know I could run. I didn't know I could, like, I was the kid in middle school who ran the 18 minute mile. And like, all of a sudden I'm clocking myself sprinting, going 15 miles an hour. That's crazy. So awesome. So like, I had this epiphany, like, how dare I put myself in boxes? And like, all of a sudden I have the body that like, I've always dreamed of for myself. And that is the craziest thing to say. And I think it's not because my body is perfect. Okay. I right. think, I think, yeah, I love the way that it looks, but I love the way that it functions for me. I love the way that it carries me through my life. I love the way that it tells my story. And like, I've put in so much deep work into like this, this body, this animal that I carry totally. around with me, you know? And, um, yeah, so I have the body I've always dreamed of for myself. That's huge. I mean, coming from, you know, 
how, when we started and you sharing that part of where you were to now, I mean, what a transformation, but it didn't happen overnight. I mean, that was years in the making and now it sounds like you're kind of just getting started. So what's, so what's next for you? I am semi-secretly studying, um, to be a personal trainer. I don't know what I'm going to do with it or if I'm going to do anything with it. I know that I like helping my friends. I know that I'm super like nerdy about it and I really like the science behind it and the nutrition. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like, that's the thing that totally happening. (laughs) And and, you know, it's, um, again, it's empowering to have the knowledge, right? It's like, sometimes we don't know all the answers or where, where and why we do certain things, but um, later on, it makes sense. And it sounds like that might be the perfect path for kind of where you're at now. And also to help further your journey of self-love and inside self-love of, and how you said, it's not just aesthetically your body, but it's, um, how it carries you and how it functions and it's health at the, at the top of the pyramid. It's not image. And that's probably changed for you. So, um, yeah, I, I'm just blown away. I love it. And thank you so much for your honesty. And, you know, like I, I've said several times, just your courage and vulnerability to show up. And I do have a couple more questions for you that I think will help clarify some things and have a lot of inspiration for the Beam Life community. So I know that, you know, making the decision to get sober is always the hardest part. Um, but what would you say to anyone that's listening, that's currently struggling with addiction on, you know, either who's just starting their sobriety journey journey, or even thinking about getting sober? I would just say that there is hope for any addict, any alcoholic, anyone seeking recovery in any area of your life. And that it will be painful, but the rewards far outweigh the pain at any moment in my life. There's hope. Yeah. And I think hope is such as, you know, um, sometimes it can be a word that seems like we hear it all the time, but if we really like dive into the meaning of it, it can be, um, very special and truthful, you know, because it does to me, hope means that in the current moment, it's a little bit difficult, but on the other side, there is another side and it's the promise of the other side, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I, I love that. And I think that hope is a strong message again, for where we're at totally across the board, regardless of somebody going through, um, addiction or trying to get sober, um, during your sobriety, did you ever, you know, relapse and what helps, what has helped you over this last six years to stay sober? Um, I never relapsed, Um, but my friendships within the program and like my real connections that I have with other people that I never could have before because I didn't, I didn't know myself and I didn't like myself and just how real everything was like Mm. everything that I've craved and wanted for myself, I now have. So it wasn't worth going backwards. And that's what kept you focused. Yeah. That's huge. That's huge because when you find that little golden nugget, you know, and it's the same thing 
for somebody starting in their fitness journey. It's like that taste of health feels so much better than like going backwards to a cheeseburger or, you know, things like that. So it's like relating all these little things in your journey that has probably helped you move on. And, um, I think that, yeah, that's a big statement of finding that community of people that you never had. Um, and your self-love was way more, had a way higher price than, than going backwards. So that's, that's amazing. So I noticed like a common theme and I know we talked about it off camera and then, um, obviously now in the story that you've shared is that you feel like you are often labeled. And I know you shared that example of like not feeling like an athlete versus feeling like an athlete now, or having like the certain body image that fit on the red carpet. Um, and then feeling like you had to stay small and like you didn't want to take up a lot of space. And I know you're not alone in that. And that's so many women 